Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Don't Miss This Podcast, a Come Follow Me study with Emily Bell Freeman and David Butler. We fill this show up with all the things we think you don't want to miss in the scriptures every week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Hello, good morning, or whatever time you are. (laughs) I'm David Butler. I'm Emily Freeman. This is Don't Miss This. We're so glad y'all are here. Uh, Listen, first we have to say, for those of you who are following us on Instagram and saw us announce our trip that we're doing to Israel, maybe a lot of y'all don't know that because you're not following us over there. We just wanted to say sorry. It's sold out so fast. It's sold out so fast, everyone, which we're really excited yeah, about. That's awesome. But, um, we, but we, we feel we bad for everybody. on Instagram first, and then we were going to put it in the newsletter second, and it just sold right out on Instagram. So two things. If you don't follow us on Instagram, you might want to because it's so easy for us to advertise spur of the moment there. So it's at Mr. Dave Butler, at Emily Bell Freeman. Um, and we will throw out announcements on there, but one other exciting announcement Oh, is... yeah. Speaking of Instagram, we started an Instagram account to kind of house all things Don't Miss This. So it is at Don't Miss This Study. Um, you can find it by finding us or just put that in. But we're going to put in nice questions that you could use while teaching a lesson, quotes that you could use that kind of supplement the material for the week, and any other fun announcements or or things that we're doing are, are going to be on there also. And if you're sad about the Israel trip, we are in the works with the people to try and schedule a second trip at some point, probably a year from the first trip. So we're working on it. Yeah, and we promised we were going to announce it here, but it just sold out with the Instagram yes. people. So we didn't know. Sorry. No if one you were, knew. Yeah, no, sorry. Yes. Anyways, we'll do Israel's still going to be there. I don't think it's going anywhere. Okay, don't it say like has, stuff like that. Well, it's not. Okay. It's like it's like it has a lot to do with ending prophecies, so it's not going anywhere. It's fine. Uh, okay. Okay. So, well, let's jump in, shall we? Let's let them look at the board. Oh yeah, look at this, my friends. Because you are gonna want some of these things. Well, we didn't write these in. I know. Don't Everyone worry, we're gonna tell them. Pay attention in that part. Okay, we're at the end of First Corinthians fourteen to sixteen. Now, remember, I know we say this a lot, but um, these are broken up. But the letter was all one big letter. Um, to the saints that were in Corinth. And so if you remember from last week, we kind of ended with Paul talking about spiritual gifts that we use all together to help each other within the faith. Um, Chapter 13 was all about charity. And then chapter 14, just he keeps building off of it and he starts. Let's pause right there for just one second because everyone last week was a little bit of a crazy week and we forgot to put the spiritual gifts in last week's newsletter. Oh, that's right. So we are going to put them in this week's newsletter just so you have them. They will be in there. We won't forget. We had a crazy, I had to have surgery and also a huge party at the same time. And then the newsletter came out without all the details. Yeah. Sorry again. This is an apology letter. I mean, video. Sorry, everyone. We're just, Um, we can't do it. It would be fun to talk about what was happening in Corinth so people remember because he starts out, remember, and he's saying, here's here's the weakness that I see in your city. But um, then he's going to end here going through um, before he gets to the end of this first letter that he sends to the Corinthians and give them some counsel and some advice for overcoming that situation that they're in. Which was that they weren't getting along. Like the, remember the big issue in Corinth was, there were some other side issues that he talked about was um, 
not what's the opposite of unity disunity contention uh, yeah division. yeah division yeah division there you go that's the word <laughs> I was looking for um, and so he's really like talking about that so 14 chapter 14 starts off with this really neat verse follow after charity but um, look at your footnotes for the Greek there pursue follow eagerly and earnestly after charity and desire those spiritual gifts why so that you may all prophesy now. That sounds funny because of the way that we use the word prophesy, but the Greek for prophesy has a lot of um, different meanings that don't mean like predict the future. Um, and so um, we want to give you a couple of those. Um, Should we start with the Revelation one? Oh, let's do first? that. Yeah. Okay. Let's go out into that footnote. I mean, that cross-reference and then we'll come back and okay. talk about. So we're going to take you to Revelation chapter 19, verse 10, right at the very bottom. It gives us a really great definition for prophesy um it says um where it says i am thy fellow servant and of thy brethren that have the testimony of jesus worship god for the testimony of jesus is the spirit of prophecy so um i that's my favorite definition for prophecy is just the testimony of jesus anytime you are bearing testimony of jesus um you're prophesying about him and his works and who he is yeah what he does and what's neat about that, let's connect these together, actually, because I didn't think about this till now. If you go back to 1 Corinthians 14, um, Paul gives you um, some definitions of what that word means in verse 3. And he says, because those who prophesy speak to edification, which means to build people up, exhortation, which means to um, to exhort someone just to like... like to like encourage Let's them. Let's go through and, and just pull out those Greek translations because they're so good. There's yeah. going to be these um, words. There's edification, exhortation, and comfort. And if you were to look up the Greek translation of those, I love what they teach us because edification means you're speaking under, oh, prophesy means you're speaking under inspiration. So it's the testimony of Jesus. It's you speaking under inspiration. Then to edify is to build um it has to do with a foundation, creating a really strong foundation. It also has to do with confirming. And then to exhort is to urge or to request. It's it's that um, just trying to help motivate someone. There you go. That's the word, motivate. That's yeah. what the... That's a, that's a good word. Because exhort sometimes kind of could come off as a negative thing. Right. Like, no, no, no. It's an encouraging, mm -hmm. like... Um, what word did you say? Motivate. Motivate. <laughs> what time is it? Yeah. Are you awake yet? <laughs> but I love that we start with that. Um, it's a testimony of Jesus. And when somebody has that testimony of Jesus, um, that means they have hope in the future because mm -hmm. they know that things are going to be okay. That um, this week, we um, one of our, our friends spoke at the event we were at and she kept saying this phrase, if a problem is not fixed yet, if an issue is not redeemed, it means God is not dead. I mean, not done. Oh my gosh. Like, well, and it means he's not dead because he's alive. If he's, the problem is not yet redeemed, it means God has not yet finished. Right. That's there you go. Well, I'm done. They're dead. He's not dead either. Okay. But that's the thing. Um, you can be encouraging and you can motivate people and you can give them hope. Because Jesus, because of your, your testimony in him. I remember um, serving as a, a bishop. I was called as a, a young bishop when I was 12. And I, I'm just kidding, <laughs> a little older. But I, well, I was called as a young bishop. And, um, and I just remember going in and right near the beginning got some good advice from a, a, a friend who'd been a bishop. And I, and I always felt 
um, okay about any situation that anybody brought in. Um, they said, they just said, you remember Jesus can fix and help all their problems. And so whenever somebody came in with something, I always just felt like, I don't know how to, I don't know what's going to happen, but I feel like it's going to be okay. Like I could give hope. I could give encouragement mm -hmm. because of that testimony and of I Jesus. Love, yeah, I love the thought of that, that if you change that to say, but he that speaks of Jesus speaks unto men um, to build, to confirm, to urge, to request, and to comfort. And isn't that true? Anytime you bring Jesus into the conversation, it reminds me of Elder Rasband. I was when just going to say the same exact thing. Speaking to the seminary teachers, to the CES, and he said, um, and I'm going to paraphrase, but let's make sure we put the quote in there. Um, when in times of trouble, just say the name Jesus and um, things will begin to work out. Yeah. So that's what's so neat about prophesy does sometimes mean the future. But that's what's so neat. Because of Jesus, I can have hope mm -hmm. in the future, of, uh, in, in all circumstances, right? Um, it's awesome because he goes into, in verse 6, he says, Not only am I going to prophesy to you, but I am going to speak to you either by revelation, by knowledge, by prophesying, or by doctrine. And we love that he says to them, every time I talk to you, you can count that I am, I am teaching truth to you. I am speaking doctrine. I am speaking by way of what has been revealed to us through God. I am prophesying. I am giving knowledge. And then he goes down and tells you, let me tell you what the opposite of that would look like. Just so you know, this is what I promised to give you. Let me tell you the opposite of that. And the visual of this is so good. He says in verse 8, For if the trumpet gives an uncertain sound, who shall prepare himself to the battle? Except, And then he says, So likewise, except ye utter words easy to be understood, how will anyone know what you are speaking? And then in verse 10 he says, There are, it may be, so many kinds of voices in the world, and none of them is without significance. And when I read that, I was like, oh, that is so true of our world today. There are so many voices in the world and we're getting them everywhere. It doesn't matter where you turn. People are giving opinions. People are giving what they think is counsel. All of this is coming from everywhere. And I love this thought that he says, test it out and see. Are the people speaking to you revelation, um, the testimony of Jesus, knowledge? Are they giving you sound doctrine? Because if not, then the trumpet is uncertain. And how do we know how to prepare our homes and our families? Yeah, and I was going to say, just with the start of school, I just, you know, that verse has been a little bit more significant to me because I think, you know, when I send my kids off to school, like what voices are they hearing? And I'm not talking about like, you know, specific teachers or anything like that. I'm just like, just what's the drumbeat mm -hmm. of society right now? It's yes. And there's a lot of voices that even are speaking things that are discouraging and like you're not good enough and there is no hope and and all of those things and it's it, I love that Paul's saying like we've got to have um, a certain voice about you know about these things that are most important um, when they come home you know when because we are I, trumpets are usually for battle right mm -hmm. and that's what we're engaged in is is a battle it made me so grateful for a prophet and particularly the prophet we have right now leading the church who is giving us that call right the call to prepare and to gather and all of those things that we need to be doing and we've talked a lot about president nelson as we were putting this lesson together 
particularly because of um, two things. First of all, where Paul talks about we need to learn how to speak the doctrine. And we have a prophet who has encouraged us to do that very thing. But also and, because... And remember a synonym for doctrine is just truth, yes, right? Sometimes the truth. word doctrine is like such a... I don't know if I'm doctrinally right. It's like, no, 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 no. Speak truth. And mm -hmm. that's what, that's what so that good. means. Um, it, it's interesting because it feels like there might be a conflicting message right here in 1 Corinthians 14. And we don't want to shy away from this message. Uh, we want to come at it head on. So we want to talk about this for a minute. Um, in 1 Corinthians 14, 34 and 35, there are two verses there that say, Let your women keep silence in the churches. For it is not permitted unto them to speak, but they are commanded to be under obedience, as also saith the law. And if they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is a shame for women to speak in the church. And um, when we read this, we're like, wait a minute, what is happening here? I love that. I've never seen this before. Look at, well, yeah, look at verse 36. Verse, yeah. I was like, what? What? <laughs> like, that should be your reaction. <laughs> it is so funny. Um Come follow me in the manual is going to talk about this a little bit. So we want you to go there for sure and just look and research that. But also we want to teach you a study um, tip that will help in situations like this. And first, before you give the tip, like if you were to look inside a study Bible or something like that and see what some of the biblical scholars have said, um, they, they would say 34 and 35, like historically were at the end of the manuscripts, the ancient manuscripts. So that's why a lot of them think, I think that got added in culturally later on. Somebody put that in and then it gets snuck in over time. But if you don't have access to like study Bible or biblical scholarship, here's a really, here's an okay, awesome tip. So here is the tip that you want to follow. If you ever come across something where you're like, this doesn't make what? sense to me. Um, the first thing that you want to do is go back into the writings of that person and see, do they have anything that would suggest that is a truth that they have taught before? When you go into Paul, it's interesting because Paul is going to actually go through and teach you about the women in the church who were actually in leadership positions and bringing people in. Um, within these chapters, you have Lydia who who taught and brought her entire household into the church. You have Phoebe, who um, they write in letters to each other to say, make sure you are using this woman. She is a great um, help to the cause Priscilla, who seemed yeah, Priscilla. to be like a companion in preaching and, and missionary work with him. And then we've got Tabitha, who some people call um, Dorcas, who Paul raises from the dead. Um, so the, the fact that those women were in such high leadership roles and teaching within the church suggests this is not quite right. Um, so your first tip is to look at what else is that person teaching. Or, and I don't know if you're going to say this, but even if it's not necessarily that person. Yep, second oh, tip okay. Were you is gonna do that? Okay. go into um, that same testament of scripture. So you would go into the New Testament itself, not just Paul's writing, but what do we learn from the New Testament itself that would suggest um, something different than that? So everything that we've studied through the life of Christ um, and Mary Magdalene. The woman at the well. Yep, all of those women, Mary, you start seeing right. there are women who are doing things within the church. The Testament would be the next thing that you go to. Then you would go to all book of scripture to see how does um, all of scripture come back? What does it teach us about those two verses? And last, as Latter-day Saints, we have a fourth 
um, resource that we can go to, which would be modern day prophets and yeah. apostles and what are they teaching on the subject. Um, you want to use all of those things in order to understand what is not understandable from one or two verses. So we've given you um, what else Paul said. We've talked a little bit about what Jesus said throughout the New Testament. We want to go to our modern day prophet, um, President Nelson. This is a talk that he gave. Um, oh, let's see. Oh, I've got it. I wrote it down. It's a plea to my sisters. It was a talk he gave before he was the president of the church. And we want you to just listen to some of this language as he talks about women in the church. He says, today, let me add that we need women who know how to make important things happen by their faith and who are courageous defenders of morality and families in a sin-sick world. We need women who are devoted to shepherding God's children along the covenant path toward exaltation. Women who know how to receive personal revelation, who understand the power and peace of the temple endowment. Women who know how to call upon the powers of heaven to protect and strengthen children and families. Women who teach fearlessly. And I love that last line because then we have a prophet who has invited us into a situation where we are teaching in the home. It, it's it's home-centered teaching now. And the moms are so involved in that. And then it's church supported. So if you ever wonder how important your voice is, um, just right there, we realize we have a prophet who wants the women teaching in their home. He says, sisters, do you realize the breadth and scope of your influence when you speak those things that come to your heart and mind as directed by the spirit? And then he says, attacks against the church, its doctrine and our way of life are going to increase. Because of this, and this is probably my favorite quote from the entire talk, we need women who have a bedrock understanding of the doctrine of Christ and who will use that understanding to teach and help raise a sin-resistant generation. We need women who can detect deception in all of its forms. We need women who know how to access the power that God makes available to covenant keepers and who express their beliefs with confidence and with charity. We need women who have the courage and the vision of our mother Eve. And if you have any question about what our prophet thinks about the women of the church, that talk is a great place to start because this is a prophet who is saying, we need your voices, we need your leadership, we need your counsel, we need your um, teaching in the home. Um, this is a prophet who is calling women to a great position within the church of teaching. I had the opportunity to speak to a friend who is Christian last week who does not know a lot about our church and she was asking about women's leadership in the church and as I spoke to her about what that looks like and the women's programs in our church she said do your women realize how lucky they are to be able mm. to be doing such a great work in the cause of Christ um, and it's not, they're not held back. They are allowed to lead and to teach and to speak and to counsel in the highest councils of your church. And it really is a blessing. Yeah. And there is that emphasis, you know, on, yes, we have high councils within the organized church, but you'd hear everybody in the high council of the church say, we're, this is a church supported like organization mm -hmm. that we, the family is what is the exalted like organization and to 
that a woman in there has so much influence. And I know we're emphasizing a lot. I don't want any of the man clubs to feel bad, like your voices aren't heard or anything. But, you know, we are just coming off of, we're now celebrating 100 years only of women having the right to vote. So we're mm -hmm. coming off of a lot of cultural baggage of women being subdued. And you got verses like this that snuck in culturally over time. And I just like that there's a like a, a push, a, a, you know, against that, mm -hmm. uh, particularly with women. And some of you might be fe f feeling or thinking men, women, whoever, like, man, that seems sort of intimidating. Like, I, I don't know if I can do that. But I love that line from President Nelson was like, just have the courage to speak those things that come into your mind yes. and into your heart that it, it really is as simple as that. If something doesn't feel right to you, um, that, that someone has said those other voices, like just like a simple, like, I don't feel like that is right. Um, I, uh, Jenny, I, I grew up with a mother who's very, um, courageous w with speaking those things that, that come into her heart and standing against those things that she think are mm -hmm. destructive. And, and Jenny, my Jenny is just the same. She has got such a, a burning courage in her heart, but she's a little more sub, you know, subdued, but that doesn't mean that um, she doesn't have a powerful voice. I remember one time she um, attended a, uh, what do you call that? A, a, a shower. A shower like a thing, yeah, yeah, a little luncheon with all the women before a wedding. And, and it's tradition in our family that everybody goes around the table and gives advice to the bride. And, and this particular bride um, who was at the table was kind of struggling, you know, with her, her faith and which direction she wanted to go to in her life and um, was struggling with her self-confidence and, um, not everybody knew that. And as people went around the table and gave advice, they kind of gave, you know, the typical sort of advice. And it got a little like, yee, you know, a little <laughs> crass and some. And like, like that happens, ladies, whatever y'all doing there. Um, and going around. And it got to Jenny. And uh, again, she's super soft-spoken. But um, about two months before that, that luncheon, she had an impression that she wanted to memorize um, the proclamation to the world on the family. And so she put it on the elliptical and every morning she would um, try and memorize that. I actually saw it on the elliptical and then wanted to race her to see who could finish it first. <laughs> I just competitive like that, I won. Um, but she, <laughs> so she had had that prompting and so she followed through and didn't know why and, and memorized it. And as she sat in that um, wedding luncheon, when it got to her turn, she stood up, my mom's the one who told me the story, stood up and said, uh, the best advice I could give you um, is not mine, but it's advice that's um, been a powerful benefit and blessing in our home. And she quoted the part from the proclamation that she'd memorized about families and relationships that build themselves on Jesus Christ, find success and, and happiness and encouragement in, uh, in ways that you can't find other places. And my mom said, just a really powerful and yet tender, sweet spirit like rested on that place. And my mom said, I felt like I saw one of the great women of biblical history standing and prophesying and, 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 and teaching in that moment. And it, that's so simple. It started with a simple impression mm -hmm. and simple courage. And, uh, and, and that's what, that's what President Nelson's talking mm -hmm. about. It doesn't take much, you know, and I want you to talk about how, um, people stop you and say, I wish I was a scriptorian like, like oh. you are, because I think that's really important for people to hear because she really is, she knows her scriptures really, really well. But well, anyways, I want you to just talk um, about that. So it's interesting. And I think we did talk about this summer. So if this is a repeat, sorry, but um, people all the time, um, often I will get introduced before I speak as a scriptorian, which makes me have a little giggle every time because 
I did <laughs> not go word, by the way. to Diggle. school um, in religion. I didn't. I um, I haven't taken probably any more classes than any of you have taken. I buy the books at Desert Book like all of you do, and I get about a fourth the way through of them because why do we think we're going to get so smart when we buy those books <laughs> and then we never finish to the end? Um, but my knowledge has come in a way that is really simple. And it's that many, many years ago when my kids were really little, I saw someone teach and in my heart I thought, I want to be able to teach like that. And so I just set a goal that I was gonna get in my scriptures every single day. And it's really hard when you have littles. It's hard because you can't navigate your schedule. You just don't know what's gonna happen next. You think you're ahead of yourself and then you walk in the kitchen and someone dumped the flour all over the floor. And um, so what I learned to do was to keep my scriptures open all day long during those years. It's something I still do right now. Rarely will you walk in to my home and my scriptures are closed. And if I was folding laundry, I was reading. And if I was making peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, I would read. And I didn't get very far. You know if you have kids that age, you don't get very far. I, I sometimes wouldn't even finish a chapter in a day, but I would read as many verses as I could in the short amount of time as I had, and then I would think about them. And because I was taking a minute to think about them, the word, words or phrases would stick out and I would be like, what does it mean if the powers of heaven are shaken? Like, what does that even mean? Which would cause me to go back and start looking at phrases like that or words like that, or it just slowed down my study and things started standing out to me. And, and the most important thing is the spirit started tutoring me. I don't think there is a better way to learn the scriptures than through the tutoring of the spirit. And when we slow down our scripture reading, it gives the spirit time to work with our hearts and our mind and to send inspiration. There is great power as we are taught by the spirit. And um, that's a great segue into where we're going next because Paul's gonna talk about the power that comes when we can bring the spirit into a situation. And and when you talk about being tutored by the spirit, I think that's important to say like a certain word sticks out or I feel like you're, you know, you just feel mm -hmm. like, oh, there's something about that that's really neat or something yes. like that, you know? And then yeah. thoughts, it's just simple. It's like, I, I just don't want anyone to feel overwhelmed by like this is you can it's so simple and you can be powerful mm. you already are powerful starting today yes take courage take courage wherever you are because it doesn't matter where you are just open your scriptures and start to read and ask for the spirit to tutor yeah. you um paul says how is it then when you come together i'm in verse 26 of chapter 14 how is it then when you come together every one of you has a psalm has a doctrine has a tongue has a revelation has an interpretation. Um, let all these things be done to edifying. And what he's saying here is, if when you come together, you can bring in all of these pieces, it's going to edify the whole group. Remember what edify means is to build or to confirm or to set a foundation for people. These are the things you should bring in. So some of those are big words that we're like, well, what is he even talking about then? But when he's talking about a psalm, um, Psalms in those days would have been their hymns. So he's saying, when you gather together, bring music into that situation. Um, bring truth, right? Bring, um, when he's talking about doctrine, he's talking about use the scriptures, use um, teaching, use the prophets. When he's talking about half the tongue, he's talking about teaching with the spirit. Bring inspiration in. Um, talk about a moment in your own life where you have experienced something that you want to share or a revelation, um, something that... Um, 
you know is coming in the future, something, a revelation that's been in the past or interpretation. It's as we bring all these pieces together that everyone is going to be edified. And Elder Gene R. Cook taught about this many years ago when my dad was serving as a mission president. He came and visited our mission. We had the opportunity to travel with him. And he taught a really powerful concept that I have used in my life over and over again. He suggested that there were seven ways you could bring the spirit in or invite the spirit into a situation. It could be a family home evening. It could be a young women's class. It could be, I've done this in Relief Society a number of times and it has been powerful every time. Um, we witness this in our sacrament meetings also. It's a pattern that we see in our sacrament meetings. But he suggested that you look at seven ways that you can invite the Spirit in and then do as many of those things within that meeting as you can. And that's how the Spirit will come. And a lot of them match up to these things Paul was saying. He says, pray. This is this list right here. Yep, this is this list right here you. that you want to write yeah. down. Pray, um, read, uh, play music, read the scriptures, testify, share spiritual experiences, express love to God and man and perform priesthood ordinances within that meeting. So um, a lot of times I will do this in Young Women's or Relief Society. We obviously don't do the priesthood ordinances. That would be, um, examples of that would be, we would do that in a sacrament meeting. Um, blessings at home. Blessings at home. Um, if you go to a baptism, those are places where you feel the spirit come into that situation. Um, obviously if you were doing this in Relief Society, or young women's, you would probably just do six, but to have someone pray, um, to play music, I love doing that and letting the women just feel what the spirit feels like when music comes in. Have someone share their favorite scripture and why. That's their favorite. Have someone just get up spontaneously and share their testimony of that week. What is it that they know that week? Um, share a spiritual experience. I love this one to express love to someone in the room or express love to God in that moment. And as you watch people open their hearts and share, this is my favorite song right now. This is my testimony of Jesus Christ right now. This is a spiritual experience I've had this week. Um, this is why I love God. This is why I love this person in the room. It creates the sweetest spirit mm -hmm. in the room. It's just as powerful. So that's something you might want to try um, in your homes this week as you teach this lesson or um, in, in your Sunday school class or wherever you are, you might want to try doing something like that. It, it is a powerful experience. Yeah, and he ends that verse, remember, by saying that the, the, all these things are led to the purpose of edifying, which, remember, meant to strengthen. So they all lead. What's the reason we're doing it? They're leading, they're strengthening our relationship with God and our love of Him and our love of other people. We're keeping the two great commandments, and that's what makes that experience so powerful. In the next chapter, Paul, like he's kind of like starting to sum up in chapter 15. And I love that he just comes back and he says, look, we've talked about a whole lot of things. But let's just come back to the heart and soul of who we really are as Christians, as followers of Jesus. And he starts in 15. And you know I love this word, y'all, so much because it keeps coming up. And I just it's my word where he says, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I have preached and which I've also received. I love he's putting himself on that we're all in the same boat. The gospel, the good news that Jesus, he says starting in three, died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried and he rose again on the third day according to the scriptures. That that is the gospel message that we have um, 
victory. If you if you skip down, there's a couple verses that are on here that kind of show him following this theme through. Um, in 17, I love this thought. And if Christ be not raised, then what? He comes back and he's like, what if Christ had never been raised from the grave? You know, or you can flip that and ask the question and say, be, remember that Easter video yes. a couple of years ago? Because of him, because he was raised from the grave, what? And he gives a few. He's like, your faith is not in vain. Uh, you are not in your sins anymore. Meaning you don't have to keep watching reruns of your mm-hmm. sins anymore. Um, those that you love, you will see again. Relationships are not over. Hope is alive. He keeps going through all these things. And then at the very end, I just love at the end when he says, um, but thanks be to God, verse 57, which giveth us victory. He gives us victory, right? We're, we're battling, like we said earlier, but he's the one who gives us victory through Jesus Christ. Therefore, because he's already won that fight for us, be steadfast, unmovable, and abound in the work of the Lord because your work will not be in vain. Whatever efforts you put forward, it won't be wasted because he's already given us that victory. So that is the order, right? Is that celebrate that he's given us that victory and now you can move forward and, and work on relationship, work on unity, work on your courage, work on, you know, your building up of people. And, and none of it's wasted. this square right here where you get to go through and think about all those things. And just right, if Christ had not risen... Um, we want you to think about what has come into your life because he has. Um, what are the blessings? Maybe you'll sit with your family and go through and talk about each of those right. um, things. Um, Paul goes on down from right here, and we love this part. He, he says, this is the gospel which I share, that Jesus died and that he was raised on the third day. And then in chapter 15 still, it says, and after that, he was seen by Cephas, then of the twelve. This is the beginning, verse 5. And after that, he was seen of about 500 brethren at once. And after that, he was seen of James, who was also then of the apostles. And then this is my favorite part, he says. And last of all, he was seen of me. Now, let's talk about why this was important. As he's listing out these people who, are, who Christ came to, who he visited, these are powerful men in the church. These are um, apostles. These are men who had gathered um, together, who knew who Jesus was. They're men who you're like, well, of course they saw Jesus. But your favorite part is when Paul says, and last of all, he was seen of me. And it's important to remember, Paul actually saw Jesus. He, he didn't see Jesus when he was alive. But Paul saw Jesus on the road to Damascus. And when Paul saw Jesus, we want you to remember what Paul was doing. Because he was not an apostle. Um, He wasn't gathered with 500 men who knew who he was. He held a letter in hand threatening slaughter upon the saints of the church that he could persecute them, that he could bring them to Jerusalem bound. And he saw Jesus. And right off the bat, Paul is saying there is no one who doesn't qualify for a visit from Jesus Christ. That is what he's telling you. And I want you to read through and just see what he says here, because he says, last of all, he was seen of me. And um, then he says this, I am the least of the apostles. I'm not even fit to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God, which was in me. 
Every time I read this, I am reminded of a very powerful moment in our own life. Um, we've shared a little bit of this story with you on Don't Miss This, but we have a boy who moved into our home when he was 18 years old. It is a boy who had struggled with the law, with addiction, with anger, with a lot of problems in his growing up years. And there was a day when he stood on the curb with nowhere to go and Greg happened to be driving by and he picked him up and called me and asked what he should do and I knelt down and prayed and the Spirit said, bring him home and I did. Um, I, I called Greg back and said, bring him home and he, he moved in our house under a really strict set of rules. And if you wanna know more about um, that whole story, you can look up Utah's blind side on You YouTube. should just link it. And we'll link it for you. Um, that oh. we'll um, put that on there so you can hear the whole story. But what happened is, um, he. It, the reason why it's called Utah's Blind Side is it is a really lot, a lot like the Blind Side movie, if you have seen it, a lot like that. It is his favorite movie, and um, he used to watch it every single week. And what happened She's is She's Sandra he, Bullock. I'm not, but movie. I wish I was. I love Sandra <laughs> Bullock. Um, he moved in, and we just started this process of change. We watched this change happen. We watched God remold his life. And it started with him going to church on a regular basis. And then he started paying his tithing. And then he decided maybe he was going to go on a mission. And he uh, read the Book of Mormon, which is the only book he has ever read in his entire life, all the way from start to finish. And he started saying his prayers out loud at night. And you just watched this process happen. And before you knew it, he was down at Snow College and he had learned how to study because he went on a mission and so he could focus in ways he never had before. And then he went up to Utah and played at Utah. And I'll never forget um, receiving a phone call in about February of 2017 from the president of the NFL, um, who I can't remember his name. And, um, but he called and said, we would like to invite you and your husband out to the first round of the NFL draft in Philadelphia, um, they thought Garrett would go first round. And I can remember thinking, who would have ever thought something like this would happen? And we got all packed up and we got out there for the draft and you go the week before and Garrett had done really good in all the um, uh, combine, um, which is athletically they watch you and he had performed really well which is why they thought he would go first round but he had not done as well on the test that you have to take called the wonderlick um and so the night before the draft his agent came up and said i don't because of his score that just got released i don't know if he's going to go first round or not so you need to decide what you want to do and we debated do we even go to the first round of the draft and we finally decided there were only 23 boys who had been invited and we were going to go no matter what happened and we um, got in that room and Garrett had been to the temple before as we had gone through this whole process and the prompting that had come to him was just to act in faith. That's what he was supposed to do. And that became our motto. It was constant throughout that week. The hotel the NFL had picked to stay in was right across the street from the Philadelphia temple and we walked to it every morning. And we just kept saying, act in faith, act in faith. Well, we got there that night and I don't know if any of you have ever been to the NFL draft the first round before, but it is the most anxiety I have <laughs> I ever had in my life. Well, some of my apps, <laughs> we don't true. know. Uh, I've never had more anxiety in my life as I did in that room. You can feel it. Every boy sits at a table with his family and the room is dead silent and there is a phone on the table. You're supposed to eat from this huge buffet, but no one can eat. It's a beautiful buffet. 
but there's no food on any of the tables because everyone is so nervous about what's happening. There's just a phone. And you just sit there the whole night and wait for that phone to ring. And I remember about halfway through that night, Garrett looked over at me and said, Mom, what if no one calls my name? And we talked for a minute um, about the reality of that and how he, that made him so nervous. And he said to me, this is my dream, Mom. This is what I always wanted to do. And what if no one calls my name? And I had said to him, listen, no matter what happens, you are living that dream. The fact that you are one of 23 boys to be sitting at a table in this room tells you, Garrett, you are gonna live that dream. We don't know how it's gonna happen. We don't know when it's gonna happen, but we are gonna act in faith. That's what we're gonna do. Um, it was about four minutes later that the television cameras surrounded our table and that phone started to ring and Garrett answered the phone and John Elway was on the other line and inviting Garrett to come play for the Broncos. And this is the part of the story that is my favorite. He walked down on that stage with all of those TV cameras and he had his baby in one hand and his jersey in the other. And after he talked to the man there who everybody boos at, I don't know who it is, <laughs> they pulled him over to the other side of the stage and there was a, a man with a microphone and a television camera and the man said to him, "Do you, um, did you ever think you would get here? After your life, after the time spent in jail and um, all of the things that you had to overcome and the learning disability and um, everything that you fought through to get here, did you ever think you would be here and how did you get here? And Garrett said one line and I will never forget it as long as I live. He said, by the grace of God, I am here. And I thought to myself, he could not have said it better. He couldn't have because it wasn't Greg who met him on the curb that day. It was the Lord, just like he met Paul on his own road to Damascus. And he met Garrett and he surrounded him with people who knew what the grace of God was and who were willing to help lift and edify and comfort and strengthen and speak the testimony of Jesus over Garrett until he finally could get his life turned around and realize that dream. And I just go back to what Paul said, um, that, that I, I wasn't even fit to witness Jesus Christ working in my life. I'm not even fit to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. And it wasn't me, but it was the grace of God that was with me. And it's just a powerful story. And it's the story that is not unique to Paul. It's a story that is true for every person who chooses to live in grace. That's right. just how grace works. And the details of it are different in every single person's story. But y'all, that is why he's ending it like this. That is what the gospel really is. Mm -hmm. That word gospel means good news. And the good news is that God can meet someone like Paul. He can meet someone like Garrett. He can meet someone like you, where you are, where, whatever you're mm -hmm. like. If you're saying exactly what he says, but I'm the least of all the women in my neighborhood. I'm the I'm least of of all the people here. that I know. I'm I'm the black sheep of the family. I'm I'm the dumbest one in my class. What what that doesn't matter. He says, the, by the grace of God, uh, you get victory, right? That's that's what that's what the whole message is. That's what the the message is for for everyone and. And Paul ends in chapter 16. And I this love this. so good. You, if you look close, ending. you catch it in verses 6 and 7. He just says, And it may be that I'll abide 
And then he says later, and there's like, and, and that we may go on a journey whithersoever I go. Like, I don't have plans, verse 7. He says, I, I, you may meet me by the way. I trust, I think I might stay here if the Lord allows, permits. And you just see these words in, in Paul's life of what it means uh, to live by faith. What it means to just live in trust. What it means to live a surrendered life for him. Like, Look, I don't know how all the details are going to work out. I don't know if the phone's going to ring. I don't know if he's going to call me to Macedonia or over to, to Greece. But I have just surrendered myself to him. I, and be, I act in faith. And, and because I live this surrendered life, um, he is going to fulfill those dreams. He's going to give that victory. I can prophesy of that. I have hope in that. I can encourage that. But because of Jesus, all those things are going to work out together for our good yep. so so good oh good so stuff. good okay second corinthians next week coming See up you then. this audio was taken from a youtube video from our youtube channel you can find us on youtube at don't miss this also sign up for our newsletter at don't miss this study.com and you can follow us on instagram at emily bell freeman and at mr dave butler thanks for listening bye